We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Before we get started on the podcast, I just want to take a moment to talk about our friends at Indochino.com. Indochino has been fantastic for me, folks. When RJ Barrett came with that pink suit that he wore to the draft or you need formal wear, whatever it is, Indochino Suits and Blazers is the absolute way to go. They're the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They have suits, shirts, coats, all of that stuff. Everything is made to the exact measurements for a great fit. When I get it, it always fits to a T. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, your lapel, the lining, your own monogram, however you want to design it, they will do it for you. RJ Barrett's brand new collection with Indochino just dropped featuring limited edition fabrics and jacket linings. RJ actually helped pick out the design. It's fantastic. Indochino's process is simple. You choose your fabric, you pick your customizations, and then you submit your measurements, and you get the package delivered straight to your door in two weeks. My kids are always excited when that package comes in because they know I'm getting something from Indochino. You can get measured and design your suit at the nearest Indochino showroom if you want in person, or you can do it yourself online. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, the shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Blue Wire for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal, made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse to wear clothing doesn't fit anymore. Indochino.com.
welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the November 14th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. Today, we are talking to a Rotoviz regular here at the Mailbag, John Lipinski. He's a lead writer for us at Rotoviz, focuses on best ball and dynasty, and also writes NFL future and prop betting, of course, which is incredibly popular. He has great content there at bettheprop.com, focuses on the New Jersey sports books, which is near and dear to my heart, an automatic follow on Twitter at FF underscore ski ball. He's the best person to tell us about the insight that we need as we head into the upper quartile, if you will, of the fantasy football regular season. John, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back on the fantasy football mailbag. Oh, well, it's great to be here. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. You've been doing fantastic work at Rotoviz and of course over at bettheprop.com, killing it, doing a fantastic job. I'm always curious. I ask everyone the same question. How did you first get started here, getting involved in fantasy football, prop betting? Of course, the gambling, sports gambling is exploding all across the country. In New Jersey, it's huge. What advice would you give new people who are trying to sort of break in there? And how did you get your start here, getting hooked up with people and, and, and moving forward and getting getting involved? You know, it's funny. I was a Rotoviz reader for a couple of years. And, you know, I'd occasionally post on the forums and I had a couple longer posts when I would get into some analysis of some guys. But uh, eventually they had, I don't think they did it this year, but for years they had the Rotoviz writing contest where uh, readers could submit or just anybody really could submit a writing sample. Um, you know, and the staff would go through it and say, hey, you know, who has the best one? And if, if you, uh, if you won the contest, you got a chance to write for Rotoviz. So, I was sitting there one night and I had seen it for the past couple of years and I never really bothered with it. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot this year. So I loaded up on a couple of Red Bulls, sat down and uh, pumped out a piece on one Mr. Elijah Hood, who oh, I it think is. Yes. might be on the back of a roster somewhere still at the <laughs> moment. Maybe. I mean, he's really kind of bounced around on and off there. So uh, nothing ever came of him, but I did a good deep dive on him. It was good enough to uh, to win the competition there. So after that, I got a chance to write some more. I came on board, started writing. And, uh, you know, th- I think that the biggest thing for me, though, was when I wrote that, you know, my entry to the contest, I've been reading wrote of his religiously for a couple of years where I was really reading just everything they put out. So I feel like when I wrote that and I submitted my piece there, it was already kind of in the voice of the site. You know, I, I mean, every author has their own unique voice on there, but there's definitely kind of a, you know, I, I don't know if you want to call it jargon or, you know, uh, stuff you need to know as far as like, like to be part of that conversation. Yeah, vernacular. Say, hey, Certain vernacular. Yeah, the, the, yep. Exactly. Yeah. Where you're referencing things, you're referencing, you know, air yards wasn't really a thing at that point, but you're referencing, you know, uh, expected points and things like that, where you can, you can take the terminology from the site and kind of the ideas and concepts from there and apply them to your writing. And I think that's, you know, kind of an important point for anybody looking to get into it is before you really start trying to do it, before you're really trying to write, is just read, read, read. You know, read as much as you can. Understand your subject matter because if you understand what you're writing about, it's, it's going to come through in your writing. If you're kind of trying to wing it, it's not going to, it's going to be obvious, you know? You know, that's a great point. I, I still do that, and no one has mentioned that so far. I'm always consuming reading as I get ready and I formulate my rankings and I get through the week. I'm listening to a ton of podcasts. I'm reading material from all the great people here at Rotoviz, especially, and I'm using that, putting it in my mind, and then coming up with my own opinion. Writing and reading is still the backbone of everything, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, to a certain extent, you got to make sure you're not 
you know, just parroting somebody else's stuff, you know, if you're reading too much on the exact thing that you want to write about, but it's just kind of consuming that content in general and getting, getting your head into that space of that kind of analysis that's being done and, you know, maybe even coming up with new stuff on your own, but, but realizing like, Hey, this is what's out there. This is the knowledge base I'm working from and either, you know, applying stuff from that knowledge base or developing new stuff, you know, that, that kind of builds on what's already been, talked about in the past. I totally agree. That's great advice. And here we are. We're going into week 11 of the fantasy season. This is the deep stretch, if you will. I'm curious of your biggest hits and, of course, that one miss that frustrates you. I am still, John, hanging on to D.D. Westbrook. I just picked him (laughs) up in a league before we got on here because I am holding on. I dropped him. No one picked him up, of course, which is a sign. So he's one of the people that I missed on, of course, that I'm hanging on. But who were sort of your two big hits that have planned, have gone exactly where you thought it would, and then maybe the one guy that you're kicking yourself for you know i I it's funny because my biggest hit is the opposite of your biggest miss because i was a dj shark guy ah ah. so i was grabbing shark you know and the the end of best ball drafts i was taking him late in you know uh ffpc dynasties especially you know when you have the offseason cut down to 16 players a lot of those kind of marginal guys get dropped so even though he was you know drafted in the uh the second round last year of, you know, rookie drafts and the actual draft, you know, he was, he was available in a lot of the rookie and free agent drafts over there this year. So I picked him up in a couple of those spots. Um, so he's really worked out pretty well for me. You know, I was high on him coming into the year. Uh, I'd say also, you know, I didn't get on this train early when there's a lot of hype in the off season, but Darren Waller. Ah, very good. Wow. At tight end there that I was kind of late to that party, but you know, my, my highest drafting volume is right before the season starts. And that's when my biggest leagues, my biggest money leagues and everything draft too. And at that point I was on him. I said, you know what? I I think he's actually going to get a lot of volume there in Oakland, you know, especially after all the Antonio Brown stuff. I I think it was even more obvious that I, I hopped on there and I made sure I grabbed him everywhere, you know, maybe reached around early for him in a lot of cases, when a lot of other people weren't, you know, willing to do that, they were still kind of waiting on them. And, and that's worked out pretty well for me. Uh, on the miss front, probably the biggest guy that I own a lot of and has been a big disappointment was Rashad Penny. Yep. Yeah. That, that you know, I, I understood the risk with that pick. Um, I did think that based on what he did last year, we saw him be efficient as a rookie. So I thought he would earn more touches this year. And maybe if he stayed healthy and, he would have earned more touches. I, I thought he could at least force, you know, the the 40% of a 60-40 split type thing. But that did not pan out. So not only has he been completely unusable for the most part, but Chris Carson has just been, you know, despite some fumbling issues and, and Penny fumbled uh, this past game too, uh, Chris Carson has just been, you know, dominating the touches over there. And, and I understood that that was within the range of outcomes here too. But when you're looking at some of these zero RB guys, you got to look at the upside there where you see the upside in the Seattle rushing offense. You know, they want to run the ball. They, they even like throwing it to the running back there that if anything happened to Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, I thought could be, you know, a league winner. Uh, now where he was being drafted, you know, in the sixth, seventh, eighth round, you know, depending what time of the year you were drafting, um, that's expensive for a guy that you're saying, oh, well, you know, maybe he'll get 40% of the split. Maybe he could be a league winner if the guy ahead of him gets hurt. You know, that's, that's not exactly a cheap price to pay, but, uh, I did want a decent amount of exposure to him. And so far that hasn't worked out. So. You know, opportunity is king. And at the end of the first round, which I found myself, John, in seasonal drafting a lot there, 
I ended up saying, I just want opportunity. So I ended up working my way through a lot of drafts and getting Chris Carson and then handcuffing later with Rashad Penny, figuring one of them would dominate. That worked out. Another backfield that didn't work out with the same strategy was the Chiefs, where at the <laughs> yeah. end, if I drafted early in the first round, let's say a Barkley uh, McCaffrey, which has been fine. The second round was that no man's land, you know, Dalvin Cook was gone. So I said, you know what? The Chiefs backfield is always going to produce. What I didn't understand, John, is that there's actually going to be four running backs used. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So that's got to blow it up in my face. Yeah, and especially when uh, Carlos Hyde got shipped out, it's like it's like, oh man, like the guys who are left, you know that that should be great for them, and that still hasn't worked out. So, yeah, I mean, R.I.P. to uh, to Darwin Thompson over there too. You know, I mean, just just nothing out of him. Uh, Shady was inactive last week. I mean, just. You know, God knows what's going on there. Well, there have been some major fantasy disappointments. We just talked about one. Sort of players that we were high on that have really underachieved. So I want to get your take on whether these players here with this last four or five games of the regular season, depending on when your playoffs are for seasonal, whether you think they can turn it around here over the last month and get things going in the right direction. The first one I mentioned, it's because of injuries, of course. But last week, he was pretty much healthy. Giant Saquon Barkley. I mean, top three pick in seasonal leagues. He's current the RB11 in PPR formats. 13 rushes, John. A mind-blowing one rushing yard. Bart Scott out here in WFN in New York went so far as to imply that he's soft and that he's afraid of getting the tough yards. Is he going to possibly get this together here and, and give us pretty much a, a mid-solid RB1 performance the rest of the way? You know, I think he is, actually. Uh I was a big Barkley drafter, and you know when it came down to Barkley and CMC, a lot of people were taking Christian McCaffrey first overall, uh, you know, over Saquon, and I was not really one of them. That anytime I had the second pick, I was grabbing McCaffrey, but when I had the first pick, I was generally going with Saquon, and that has not worked out well for me. Obviously, that uh, you know, I went with the theory that Saquon last year, despite the Giants being pretty bad last year too, and and arguably had a worse offensive line last year and everything, you know, Saquon still put up monster points. He had more expe- expected points than McCaffrey by like 30 points or something like that. So it, it seemed like he had a pretty safe floor. Now, this year, obviously, that hasn't panned out. And part of that has been, you know, he got hurt. Um, you know, that, that obviously affected it. And, you know, it's possible that that injury is still kind of slowing him down a little bit. Um, we still have seen him make some amazing plays. But like I said, last week, 13 rushes for one yard. The Jets have a better than expected rushing defense. You know, when you think about the Jets, you just think everything about them stinks. Their rushing D actually isn't bad, but you know, 13 rushes for one yard is, is abysmal. Um, rest of season though, the Giants have, I think it's the ninth best schedule yeah. for running backs. Mm-hmm. The, the main concern is he's just not getting those monster target games that he was getting last year. That if he's having these like five target games, it, it's just it's just not going to cut it. You need those ten target games, eleven target games, where where they're just dumping it off to him a ton and let him make things happen. And as a Giants fan watching these games, I think the most frustrating thing is he's getting those targets a lot of the times in these uh, really obvious situations where you know before the play even starts, I'm like they're going to throw it to Saquon here, and sure enough, they throw it to Saquon, and sure enough, there's a linebacker on top of him, you know, before he even gets a chance to make a move. And and a lot of times Saquon can still bust out of that, but they're not throwing it to him in situations where he really has a huge opportunity to do a lot with the ball. So I think the play calling has been to blame, but I think that ultimately he's a talented back. The schedule softens up a little bit. Um, he's going to have the potential to, you know, I mean, look, if you have Saquon, it's not like you're benching him. If you have him in dynasty, if you try to trade him now, you might get a haul for him, 
but I just hold them and, and do the best you can with them. A tricky guy here for both seasonal and dynasty. Next one is another running back, Colts running back Marlon Mack. Now, he hasn't broken 100 total yards since week five and only two receptions over his past three games. I feel like he's very 18 rushes, 75 yards. That's what he's been here. Naeem Hines, eight receptions, 13 targets during that same time frame. So uh, thoughts on Marlon Mack both both this year and dynasty? Yeah, so I own Marlon Mack on one team, and he's kind of like a smaller, crappier Derrick Henry. Oh, you know, good he's- comparison. <laughs> oh, that could be the title of the show, John. <laughs> the smaller, crappier Derrick Henry. Go ahead. You know, I mean, he's, he's game script dependent. He needs touchdowns. He's not getting targets. You know, he, re- he really needs to break some big runs that a lot of his yardage comes on these big chunk plays. You know, he's, he's a fine RB2 type filler on your roster where – you know, your if your RB2 is like the worst guy, you know, that you're starting, you're still doing fine for the most part. So, you know, you can throw him in there and figure he'll get you eight to 10 points on a bad week, probably. And, you know, could, could still get you that 20 plus if he breaks off a big run and gets a touchdown or two. You know, having, having, uh, Andrew Luck get taken out for the season, obviously, you know, downgrade that whole offense. Jacoby Brissett has been way better than expected. He's definitely been fine. But, you know, going forward, if, it sounds like Brissett's going to play this week. I think it's the latest I saw. You know, that makes me like Mac a little bit more. But I, I think he just who is who he is at this point. Um, they have a tough schedule for the rest of the season. Uh, you know, if you got to start him, you can start him. If you got somebody who looks at him as this, you know, stud starting running back still and thinks they can buy low on him now, I'd have no problem trying to move him because I don't think he's ever going to be a workhorse that you're going to plug in and think, yeah, like this guy's going to just dominate. Let's turn our attention to the Rams. I, I feel like this has been Jared Goff Emperor's close year. You know, he's been revealed here to everyone and kind of realizes without the, the protection of the offensive line, he struggles, which means that Rams wide receiver Robert Woods is in an interesting position. Brandon Cooks is still dealing with that concussion. Woods has emerged in his absence. He had 80 more receiving yards in two of the past three games. Jared Goff's still struggling, but Woods should be the lead guy. I mean, Cup is there, of course, and he'll get the short routes, but I feel like Woods' targets now could go up. I know that we have Josh Reynolds there as well. What do you do with Robert Woods here, rest of season, and do you think in Dynasty it may be time to get rid of him because you think it's going to go downhill? So I liked Robert Woods coming into this year. Uh, I did not foresee the Cooper Cup explosion coming that you know a lot of times guys come back from I, I feel like this has been the season of guys – coming back from injuries so and doing surprisingly yeah. well. Yeah, that yeah. that a lot of the years you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take the injury discount on this guy. And then he just flops and you're like, well, I should have seen that coming. You know, he's come back from this major injury. He's kind of older. But then you see like Emmanuel Sanders going out there and, and killing it for a while. It's like, you know, this guy, this guy had a, an injury uh, that's supposed to take you out for up to, you know, for a full year before you're back to full strength. And he got hurt last December, I think it was. And he came back, you know, at the start of the season, relatively strong. And I, I did not see that coming. So with Robert Woods here, um, I think that I was high on him coming into the year, but the rest of season schedule for the Rams is the toughest for wide receivers, according to the road of his strength, the schedule tool. So it's going to be kind of interesting where I do think he will get the targets. I do agree with you on that one. But I don't know that the Rams and Goff can really turn it around at this point. I think they just had another injury on their offensive line. Um, I think that Woods will get that volume. And I think he'll still be kind of a wide receiver two type guy. 
But I do agree with you that in Dynasty, if you can get value for him where if somebody's going to give you a first-round pick or something along those lines, I'd be fine moving him for that going forward. That I, I like him as a player. I like him as a receiver, um, especially if your playoff status is uncertain, though, and you got somebody else you can plug in that might give you as good production rest of the season, then I'd definitely consider moving him. Last one here, OBJ. He's currently the PPR wide receiver 35. I mean, just think about that. Baker Mayfield been struggling all year. He's held back OBJ. Now the Browns have a good stretch of games coming up. So, so what's your projection on OBJ rest of season? I think he'll be a back end wide receiver one. I think he's going to get more targets. I think we saw the start of it that last week. Baker Mayfield was saying we really need to start feeding him the ball, feeding it to him early. And they did just that. Came out, you know, first pass of the game goes to him. Uh, he did not have a great week. He only caught, I think, four or five of those. But at the same time, they were feeding him targets. They're throwing him the ball. He's still very talented with the ball in his hands. We saw last year that Baker Mayfield can be good. Uh, whatever Freddie Kitchens is doing this year has just been straight garbage. So going forward, I don't know that that definitely changes, but if he's going to get the targets, which I think he is, and their schedule does lighten up compared to what it was uh, earlier. I think it was they had the fourth worst schedule for wide receivers through the first 10 weeks of the season. So uh, it does soften up a little bit. They're going to throw him the ball. I- I'm still confident in him being a guy that you can plug in every week, and he's going to start putting up a big week here or there. You know, I, maybe not what you're expecting coming into the season, but I think he could be a back-end wide receiver one. I have a dynasty trade question here about OBJ. person writes in that they have OBJ, but they were offered DJ Moore and an early 2020 second round pick. I'm curious on that one because obviously OBJ, a legendary talent here. But the question is, DJ Moore has been hot lately. Of course, quarterback questions whether Cam Newton's going to be there. But 2020 is a strong dra- draft. Where do you lean there, OBJ or DJ Moore in that early 2020 second rounder? You know, that, that's, that's a tougher one than I would think. And I love DJ Moore. So, you know, looking at this, I'm like, oh man, you know, actually looking at the numbers there, thinking, you know, they're, they're not that far off this year. And in fact, DJ Moore's been a little bit better. Um, and he's obviously a lot younger. So do you take that value and say, here's a wide receiver I love? He's young, he's productive. And, you know, in Dynasty, you know, getting get those, you know, four years younger or whatever he is, is a big deal. But Odell Beckham Jr. is still, we have a very long track record of him being a great receiver. And whatever's going on with the Browns right now, I'm not, I mean, it's, it's hard to say anything positive about the Browns and say, okay, I'm sure it's going to change. I'm not. Because the Browns are just going to Brown sometimes. But I think if this offense is dysfunctional for the rest of the year, that come next year, changes will be made. That I don't think Freddie Kitchens has... Uh, some kind of stranglehold on that job or has the, the kind of, uh, the, the capital there to, to really, you know, say, Hey, I'm going to keep running things my way. That if things don't work out this year, if this offense doesn't turn around, something's going to change on offense next year. So for the long term, dynasty wise, I think I'd need more back with that trade. And I love DJ Moore. I just think that I'd want some more value back on that. Like DJ Moore in a first. You know, like a mid first or something like that, then I think we're talking. The early second, even in a good draft class, I think price still just isn't enough for me. Um, in a re- really complete rebuild, I'd make that deal maybe, but uh, I don't think you should ever be in a situation where 
you're th- at this point in a season, midway through like one season, that you're already looking at the next season as a lost year. So in that case, I'd still you know draft Odell Beckham Jr. over DJ Moore next year. So I'm going to say that I-, I wouldn't make that deal. Well, John is going to side with OBJ's track record. And you know who has a great track record for shaving for thousands of years? That's Harry's razors. Secret to a great shave hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need those flex balls or heated handles. Neither do you. Harry's doesn't overcharge you for those gimmicky features. That's why I use them. Fantastic. Got to go online here and, and make yourself efficient. And that's what I do with Harry's razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, which is that sharp, durable blades at a really fair price. I love using Harry's close shave. It's an easy glide and the price point is perfect. Harry's is a return to that sort of quality durable blades at the price, which is just $2 per blade. They cut out that middleman, the manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been owning precision blades for a century, which means that you get those blades, high quality factory direct prices. They're super convenient. They have the refills that are delivered directly to the door on schedule. There's no risk for trying them out. So if you don't love your shave, let them know you'll get a full refund folks listeners of my show you can redeem their harry's trial set at harrys.com backslash blue wire you get a weighted ergonomic handle with a firm grip five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade and that rich lathering shave gel who doesn't like that with aloe that keeps the skin hydrated and you get a travel blade on top of it as the sprinkles on the cake to keep that razor dry and easy to grab on the go so please folks go to harrys.com backslash blue wire and start shaving better today all right, John. So four teams on a bye this week, Packers, Giants, Seahawks, and Titans. I do a waiver wire piece for Action Network, and I want to get your thoughts on some of the players that are available right now in over 50% of Yahoo leagues. So I had to put them in, and I'm curious whether you think applicable, not applicable, you think you should pick them up, or you think maybe they're something you should just let go and ignore. First one, Brian Hill. I did mention off air here how much I love Brian Hill, John, so I'm leading the witness right now is what I'm doing. He looks to get the start with Freeman out. How does he rate for you rest of season there in that Atlanta offense? Watching the Atlanta offense this year, their O-line stinks. And I think that's where Devontae Freeman struggled a lot. That I, You know, if you look at his stats, you'd be like, oh, you know, he's old, he's cooked, he's had too many injuries. But I think he actually ran pretty decent and, you know, the O-line just kind of let him down. That even the other guys, you know, Brian Hill, you know, Smith, when they got an opportunity, weren't exactly tearing it up. Um, and Atlanta actually has the worst rest of season schedule for running backs. That all being said, uh, they were not, they have not been afraid to throw the ball to their running backs. And that's where you make your money in PPR leagues. Uh, Brian Hill is going to get a lot of touches there. He's going to start. He's going to get touches. He's going to get targets. This has been a brutal year for finding useful, uh, running backs off the waiver wire. So I think that in most leagues, he's going to be a hot commodity. If you have good starting running backs and you wouldn't need to start him, I don't think I'd pick him up thinking, Hey, this is going to be one of those waiver wire guys that's going to come in and be an RB1 for the rest of the season. But if you're thin at running back, you absolutely need to try to add him, even if it's just for the two weeks that Devontae Freeman's out. I mean, we don't know for sure how long he's going to be out yet, but let's assume it's two, three weeks or something like that. You know, that takes you right up to like the first week of the playoffs there. If you're thin at running back, I absolutely would spend up to grab him. You don't know how many other opportunities you're going to have to get a uh, start type guy, you know, for the rest of the year. Um, if you're strong at running back, you know, put in a blocking bit or something like that. Put in something where it's like, hey, I don't want anybody again for too cheap. You know, I'll take him on the back of my roster and have some depth. I don't think he's necessarily like a league winner out there, but he's definitely going to be a serviceable fill-in. 
John, do you have any interest in the Dolphins? Uh, my next question is Kalen Balaj, right? Because Kenyon Drake not there anymore. We know the Dolphins are here trying to get picks and stockpile and, and, and rebuild. Next year, a very strong class for running backs. But there's that huge, quote-unquote, Dolphins versus Bengals Week 16 matchup here. So Kalen Balaj, any interest long or short term? Or short term, or you think that pretty much he's a flyer this year and the next year the rebuild? Uh, he's garbage. He's garbage. Okay. he's garbage. Yeah, I, I hate Balaj. I, I think he's a terrible player. Um, I think that, you know, I personally have to start him in one league this week because I am that desperate and dead at running back that I just, I, it was a team where I had Freeman, had some other guys. I was already kind of thin there. Uh, as long as he's getting touches, he will be a guy you can fill in if, like me, you are desperate at running back. And as, as aforementioned, there have not been a lot of, uh, waiver wire running backs to help you out this year. So, you know, if you are desperate, I'd take him, but I would not expect a whole lot. And for that week 16 matchup, uh, Mark Walton should be back. He was only suspended four games, so I think Walton can come back and be back in time for that one. I think it says a lot about uh, Belage that he was had a significant you know share of touches to start the year, and they got reduced over time, you know, in favor of Drake and then in favor of Walton. And the only reason he's back to starting is because Walton suspended. Now, I mean, the fact that they're giving him touches, you know, they knew that Walton's suspension was coming apparently and didn't do anything. They still traded Kenyon Drake. And didn't do anything else to supplement, you know, their starters really. You got, I think, Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin back there, but they haven't touched the ball as much as Balage. Um, you know, so as long as he's getting those touches, he'll be okay to get you, you know, more than a zero. But he is not a guy to be targeting for next year going forward or anything like that. He's purely a week to week desperation play in my view. With all the Patriot issues at wide receiver and listen, Julian Elman's getting older. What do you think about Philip Dorsett here? So, I mean, he's obviously had a good, uh, nice high upside, you know, weekly upside this year. Uh, dynasty wise, I don't value him too highly. Uh, you know, part of that is just because the offense the Patriots are now that you kind of never know if they're just going to have one of those games where they run it a million times and they'll always kind of distribute their targets funky that, you know, Julian Edelman's going to get his. Uh, I don't think Dorsett can ever become, you know, one of those big target hogs in that offense. So I think he's a guy that, yes, He's definitely useful and there's, you know, he'll probably have another spike week or two towards the end of the season, but he's not somebody that I'm targeting long term saying, you know, he's going to be a dynasty asset for a long time. Cowboys Randall Cobb, third wide receiver there. Uh, you know, I'm really looking for short term here. Is this a guy you think you maybe can get you a couple wide receiver three weeks or, you know what, it's Cooper, it's Gallup, forget Cobb? I'm going to go with forget Cobb that I think, you know, when there's a good game script, he can get his. He's only got two double digit games this year. I mean, last week he obviously had a big one but uh i think you know you look at the rest of his games this year and it's been you know eight points six points stuff like that uh you know again if you're desperate you know he's been getting six targets a game for the past two games you know you could plug him in there but he's not somebody i'd be targeting really thinking he's going to do a whole lot and last one, Mike Gusecki came into the league, super talented, athletic tight end, of course, Penn State, the whole thing. Tight ends always take a while. Last year with Gay's disaster. This year, for the most part, has been a disaster. But again, he has flashed recently. Mike Gusecki, dynasty outlook. What do you think? Yeah, it's tough because I was really high on him. The uh, tight end model that uh, Phil Watkins started over here at Rotaviz and that I kind of you know was publishing following up for him. Uh, Gasicki performed really well in there based on his stuff, and you know his rookie year was just a disaster. But you look at that Dolphins coaching staff last year uh, with Adam Gase, and you know he 
clearly, you know, was not using his optimal players. I mean, you've got heavy doses of Frank Gore. You got all these other tight ends over Gasicki. And, you know, rookie tight ends struggle anyway. So the fact that he's had some nice games here, especially now that Preston Williams has gone down, I think is encouraging. It's, it's very hard to say where he's at, though, with this Dolphins team because this team is still very bad. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick does have the ability to, you know, have a pass catcher with good numbers, you know, to, to help a guy, you know, put up some big games because he will kind of sling it out there, but he's still, you know, there's still a reason that he's been on, you know, eight teams or whatever it is now. So, um, I, I think it's kind of hard to judge where Kasiki is at right now, but I, I want to say I like him going forward, but, you know, that, you know, he's had one double digit PPR game so far this year, that, that one big game he had those 15.5 points and that's it. You know, so I mean, if you look at that, you're like, oh yeah, he's he's kind of starting to break out. It's like, yeah, one game. So uh, while I really want to like him because I liked him coming in, and he's he is athletic, he's big. Um, I still haven't seen anything from him in like like game action yet, where I'm like, yes, yes, he's getting it. So uh, I I definitely would be picking him up off of waivers if I can get him and stashing him. But I'm also not going out and you know throwing out a higher draft pick for him, like trading for him. You know what the issue is? These top tight ends this year have not performed to that level. Zach Ertz, yeah. Kittle's been good, but he got hurt. Kelsey, of course, not quite at the same level. So everybody's scrambling for tight ends. It's like you're, you're trying to force yourself into believing that like he's going to right. produce, right? Because you need somebody. Yeah, and I mean there've been there've been like you know the backup stats that kind of back that up that he's he's gotten a ton of air yards, he's gotten a decent amount of targets, you know, over the past few weeks. So I mean the, the peripherals kind of are there where it's like, yeah, like maybe he could break out, and and it's still possible he could have another big game coming up here, but there's still nothing there that I'm just like, yeah, like like it's really there yet, you know. John, what's your favorite American band of all time? That would be Mr. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Oh, yeah. No one said that yet. Excellent. Yes. Yeah, love him. And I mean, when he, when he passed, that was, that was, that was a rough weekend. That was the same weekend. I remember it was the same day as the, um, the terrible shooting out in Vegas. And it was just like, you know, all this, all this bad news kind of pouring in at once. And, uh, you know, I've seen him several times in concert. You know, he put on a great show, just, uh, just an all around great guy. And just his music just chills me out. It's, it's great. Spent many years running Heartbreak Hill in college with running down a dream blasting between my, my ears. So absolutely with you. Nice. A question here from a listener, Dynasty. Developments in Pittsburgh have me completely confused on how to rank their receiving core in Dynasty. Juju, of course, was fantastic, but has certainly struggled this year. Deontay Johnson has come on lately. James Washington, the Oklahoma State connection there with Mason Rudolph. How do you rank them in Dynasty? So I don't I don't really knock down Juju too much. I think some people are looking at it as, you know, I have a friend who's who said this, so it, I'm not just, you know, set up a straw man here of Juju, you know, was not a number one guy. And then, you know, Antonio Brown took a lot of the top coverage. And then as soon as he had to be the number one guy, he couldn't do it. I mean, when you really look at what we have here, though, we had one game against New England where New England has proven that they shut down receivers. Uh, and then we had uh, was like a quarter or something of the next game before Roethlisberger got hurt. Yep. So they after that they they switched to the super run heavy offense where Juju's just not getting the targets. He's also been hurt. He's had a toe issue, which is the type of injury uh, I don't know his exact status, but he's been questionable for weeks. And they, even just going to this past week, there was you know I think he, he missed a couple practices and stuff. And that's the type of injury that tends to linger. So he's hurt. 
run-heavy offense, you know, quarterback that's never really played before. Um, just everything's working against him right now. We have so much prior stuff of, you know, what he did in his first two years in the league, who he was as a prospect in college. We just have so much prior stuff to tell us, yes, he's legit good, and he's just, you know, perfect storm of bad circumstances here. So I'm sticking with him as, you know, towards the top of dynasty rankings still. You know, in a startup next year, I, I personally think he should probably still be in the first round. I think he's a good player, but I have a buddy that needed running backs and trade him away for Aaron Jones. And that's obviously worked out for him because uh, Aaron Jones has had a pretty good season. Uh, but, you know, I, I do wonder if he's going to regret that down the road. Now, at the same time, if it helps him win the championship this year, you know, worth it. So uh, I still keep Juju up there. Deontay Johnson's a guy I'm actually really high on. That Pittsburgh was really high on him. He's come in and gotten immediate playing time that they had no problem kicking Dante Moncrief to the curb. You know, I mean, now granted he deserved it. He was playing awful. But um, Deontay Johnson, as a rookie, came in, started playing really well really early. Uh, everybody in the Steelers organization has been talking about they, – they basically said, hey, we had him as a first-round guy on our board. And you hear that sometimes, but uh, from all the interviews I read, like, it, you know, it was coming from the wide receiver coach, from Mike Tomlin, they were all saying, yeah, we, we really do believe in this guy. And we were thrilled to get him where we did, and we think he's going to be special. And so far as a rookie, what he's done, and again, looking at, you know, you look at the situation where you say, okay, Juju has struggled in this situation with this quarterback and everything like that. And Deontay Johnson's actually had a nice rookie season uh, for a rookie, despite these circumstances. So I actually think he's a guy. That if you don't have him already, if he's on waivers, I'd pick him up and stash him. If somebody in your league has him, I'd have no problem. You know, they probably got him off of waivers. You know, deeper leagues he was drafted, but uh, a lot of we leagues he was picked off up off of waivers at some point. His owner might just be looking to flip him for something. I would have no problem saying, "Hey, yeah, you know, you're not really starting this guy. What if I give you a third round pick or something? You know, see if you can sneak him away from somebody for cheap." Uh, James Washington. He's he's a deep threat. You know, he's going to get those air yards when there's a better quarterback there. That's going to be more valuable. But I don't know if he's going to be as consistent. And again, I'm high on the other two guys, Juju and Deontay. So necessarily, I'm kind of lower on James Washington that I think that, yeah, he'll have a role there probably. But I don't ever think he's really going to be a guy there who's going to put up huge numbers for you. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the James Washington connection with Mason Rudolph is fun to talk about, but I do like Deontay Johnson. I think him and Juju sort of stepped forward together here as, as we go on. Going back to something you mentioned earlier, better dynasty running back value. This is a good one. Person writes in Marlon Mack or Chris Carson. With luck there back in the in the preseason, this was an easy answer. But Carson still doing a fantastic job as a seventh-round pick there, the fumbling problems. Marlon Mack not involved in the passing game, but younger in a better offense here, but no luck. What do you think? i got to be Chris Carson. And I don't even really like Chris Carson, but the Seattle running game, like what they do there and the volume you get as Seattle starting running back, uh, it, you, you know, you got to say, Carson, look, Penny has not done anything to make you think that he's going to take over there or really even eat into Carson's touches at all. So at this point, you know, you know what, what's there to stop Carson from just keeping on doing this? You know, I mean, maybe he – fumbles again but we've seen other running backs have a little bit of fumbleitis and then fix it you know tiki barber famously if you're a giants fan with tom you know, coughlin there absolutely I told him to carry it high and tight you know so i mean it, it's a fixable problem um so i i gotta say carson seventh rounder or not 
what he's done so far and the fact that he's on that offense where he's getting this insane amount of touches and they're still targeting him more than they're targeting Marlon Mack. Uh, I mean, give me Chris Carson any day here. John, I'm a gin martini guy. We've talked about IPAs. People like them. People don't. Talk to me about what the drink of choice is on a Friday night in the Lipinski household. Uh, we're going with some scotch on, on a Friday night. If I'm just chilling at home, uh, get a nice uh, peaty guy in there. You know, maybe some Goblin 16. Um, other than that, uh, beers, big fan of the beers, uh, you know, Brett Kavanaugh style. I like beer, you know, uh, I'm a big stout guy. So, uh, I like some of the flavored stouts where you got the bourbon stouts, yeah, you know, maybe a Kentucky yeah. breakfast stout or something like that, especially now with the winter here. I mean, just the perfect time. So that's, uh, that's if, if I'm chilling, you know, I'd rather just have a couple of the higher alcohol content beers or you know a, a nice glass of scotch and feel that nice warmth while i'm uh doing things around the house on a friday night well john's talking about feeling warmth and folks something we don't want to talk about a lot is erectile dysfunction usually guys we just brush it off we blame ourselves just don't want to talk about it and we avoid it all together say we're not feeling you know not feeling it tonight honey but folks that's not the way to go with roman it's easy to talk about. You can get a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, safe, simple, totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all the comfort and privacy of your home. Doctor works with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate. They have two-day shipping free right to your door there. Very private package as well. Whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Just to get started here, you go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. You complete an online visit. ED is tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Get that online visit, guys. Connect with a doctor. He'll take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. You get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. Fantasy football momentum time here, John. I'm going to ask you whether these players will keep their momentum off their Week 10 performance here. Assume half PPR for all of them. Let's start. He's on a bye this week. But Darius Slayton certainly made a lot of people money in DFS. 14 targets with the Giants, 10 receptions, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Certainly seems like he has a connection with Daniel Jones, young wide receiver, young quarterback. What do you think about him short and long term? I like Darius Slayton. I thought he was a bit of an underrated prospect. He's looked good so far. I actually started him in a league last week. We have a contract, a salary cap league uh, at Rotoviz, and I had DeAndre Hopkins and Cooper Cup on by, and I plugged in Slayton. He, he definitely came through for me. I think that as long as Sterling Shepard is out, Slayton should be an option, especially also with Evan Engram dealing with an injury now too, that if you have Engram out, if you have Sterling Shepard out, they got to throw to somebody and – you know, you got Golden Tate, sure, and you got Saquon Barkley, who they should throw to more. But then beyond that, Cody Latimer and Benny Fowler are not getting anybody excited. The Giants' defense is bad enough where they're going to be behind. They're going to have to throw. Daniel Jones obviously has trust in Slayton. Um, I'm definitely throwing him out there again. Uh, you know, I don't think he's getting this kind of stat line every week, but uh, I think I think he'll be fine. Over with the Jets there, same city, different team. Demarius Thomas. Nine targets, six receptions, 84 yards. Do you think he's legit here rest of the season? I don't. I think that you'll see – well, I think Robbie Anderson's a little bit banged up now, but I can't I can't really see using Demarius Thomas the rest of the season. I think there's guys with much higher upside than Demarius. Being in the New York market, I watch a 
enough Jets games this year to say that Demaris does not look anything like his old self. He doesn't look like anything special. You know, when you got Jameson Crowder out there getting targets, maybe he's getting, you know, uh, some softer coverage, especially against the Giants who are just giving up yards to everybody nowadays. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think he's anybody I would want to target. The two big wide receivers this year that all of us in, in fantasy have banged the drum for and then sat back and enjoyed when they performed. The first one was Will Fuller, and I think the second one was Christian Kirk last week. Yes. Six receptions, 138 receiving yards, three touchdowns. I know you love him. I do as well. He was the overall wide receiver one. Can he keep this going? And, of course, I assume you love him in Dynasty. Yeah, I love Christian Kirk. I own a lot of Christian Kirk. I drafted him in a lot of best ball this year, too. So last week was a, a good, good week, week for me that, yeah. on that one. I've been waiting for that one. Now, now we just need the DJ Moore three touchdown game. Quite frankly, oh, that's I got a lot of him week. too. And absolutely, yep. I, every week it feels like it's like, dude, he's got to punch a couple in there, and you know he'll get tackled at like the one yard line. Come on, you know. Um, but yeah, Kirk. I mean, look, he's not going to get to face Tampa Bay every week, so uh, I, you know, we're not going to see this all the time. But he's had some monster target games this year so far. Some uh, some big yardage games, and prior prior to this, he you know wasn't necessarily fine in the end zone. But uh, I, I think he'll still be good to go for the rest of the season. He's got a couple tough matchups. You know, he's got a uh, San Francisco coming up, uh, so that's not necessarily great. But at the same time. You know, he's really good, and um, I'm confident rolling him out there every week in my lineups. Another young wide receiver, San Francisco, Debo Samuel. Emmanuel Sanders hurt. I think he's day-to-day, aren't we all? But Debo last week, <laughs> eight receptions, 112 receiving yards. Can he step forward here in, in a conservative San Francisco offense here, but can he make an impact, let's say, wide receiver three or better rest of season? For me, it depends on Kittle and Sanders' status. That if Kittle comes back and Emmanuel Sanders comes back, I think that he'll struggle to see the targets. And I, I think that was the situation early in the season. Watching him play, even early in the season, I mean, th- this last game, you know, out in uh, prime time, you could watch and be like, oh man, he looked really good. I think even early in the season, he's looked pretty good, but you just don't get to see him get that many targets because San Francisco has had a lot of leads. They haven't had to throw it. And I don't really trust Jimmy Garoppolo, to be quite honest. I'm not a Jimmy G guy here. So I'm not in love with the quarterback. The game scripts have not been there. If going forward, maybe they're behind a little bit more and Sanders is out, Kittle's banged up. I could see him being solid, but he's definitely more of a back-end wide receiver three or or desperation-type flex play. I don't think he's a guy that I'd start with extreme confidence going forward. Uh, I think I do have him going this week in Scott Fishbowl because uh, buys and stuff like that. But for the most part, he's not a guy that I'm really looking to start on a weekly basis. I, I do like him as a player in a dynasty. I you know, definitely consider him a hold. I just worry about going forward the, the target volume. I got a lot of video game answers for this next question. What's the best Christmas, birthday gift, whatever, that you received as a child that you can't can't forget? So I'm old enough that we did not get a lot of video games for Christmas until I was older. So I'm going to go with uh, He-Man. You know, there is everybody knows Castle Grayskull, right? Yeah. Skeletor, you know, Ka- Ram Man. Where are you going with this? This is great. So uh, there was something called the Eternia playset. You know, Eternia was the uh, the planet He-Man lived yes. on. And this was like this was like this big, awesome fortress thing. That was like three separate towers. And it was, there was a monorail 
that went around him, like a battery-powered monorail thing. And you could put He-Man or another He-Man guy in, like Snout Spout or Stinkor oh, or one of those crazy. guys you in there. Na- people, you don't appreciate the name-dropping that John is doing right now. You could, you could throw them into the monorail thing and, and you know ride them around there. I mean, this thing was just awesome. I, I remember my, my brother's a year older than me, and we got this thing, and we were just in the basement playing this for like – a solid month, you know, just playing with all the He-Man guys. So that, that's probably one of my most memorable. It was, it was from my cool uncle, you know, the, that one uncle who's yep. like, yep. you know, like always wants to get, he didn't have any kids of his own, but always gets you the cool gift. So uh, he, he got us that one year and just, that, that was phenomenal. Yeah, the the one that doesn't give clothes, right? That's, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right? Yeah. No socks from this uncle. Right, exactly. Question here. Rank these running backs rest of season. And I would also be curious to hear your rankings for Dynasty. Josh Jacobs, Derek Henry, Melvin Gordon. Let's talk half PPR. All right. So to start with, rest of season, Derek Henry is on bye this week and Melvin Gordon has a bye next week. Whereas Josh Jacobs already had his bye. So if you were actually sitting there and this was a choice you had to make of any kind, I'd take Jacobs just based on that. Just saying, hey, I got an extra game of this stud running back here. Um, I've always kind of liked Derrick Henry, despite the fact that he doesn't catch passes. I think he's actually like the RB5 or RB6 on the year so far. I mean, so he actually has done pretty well, despite the fact that he'll have those bummy games where he just rushes for like 70 yards and doesn't score a touchdown and doesn't catch any passes, really. Um, Melvin Gordon, the Chargers have recommitted to running with that after they fired Wisenhunt there, they, they decide to load him up on carries. But the targets haven't really been there for Melvin Gordon. That even once he's come back here, that Austin Eckler's still been kind of just cutting into a lot of those targets there. And previously, that was that was really where Melvin Gordon could you know make a lot of points. So while he might get more rushing touchdowns now, he's not doesn't have that high target ceiling. And the so go, going back to, to all this here, Tennessee has the second worst schedule for running backs for the rest of the season. Chargers have the sixth best, but Oakland actually has the second best RB schedule for the rest of the season. And Jacobs doesn't have his buy. Um, Jacobs was a guy coming into this year that I was not necessarily high on that. I, I ended up drafting him a decent amount in best ball leagues at the end of the fourth round. And I did pick him up at one dynasty league where I had the one Oh two. Um, my take on Jacobs was always that he was overdrafted by the Raiders. You know, shouldn't have taken any I running back that high. Way, number man. one, I agree, but he's performed. It, yeah, they shouldn't have taken anybody that high. But at the same time, I've always kind of acknowledged, like, yes, his statistical profile in college is not one that we as fantasy guys that you're looking for, and you have a high degree of confidence that'll come into the league and be good. However, that being said, there's nothing that in his performance in college that also made me say, oh, you know being a very good running back is not in his range of outcomes. I, I think it always has been. And that's why I've kind of been, you know, when he was dropping to like the end of the fourth round in, um, maybe it's, maybe it's more that maybe I'm thinking more the end of the third beginning of the fourth in like best ball leagues and everything where like, there was not a whole lot of high upside running backs left at that point. You know, I was grabbing him up there. Cause I said, you know what? I know I'm not like confident that this guy based on what we know from college is going to be a stud running back. But at the same time, there's no reason to think he couldn't be. And there's every indication he was going to come in there and get all the touches. They didn't really have a whole lot else at running back there. You know, DeAndre Washington is kind of a never was. Jalen Richard 
you know, I don't want Devin to hear me say this. Devin McIntyre, he'll get upset. But you know, I don't, I don't think he's really anything special. You know, he's he catches some passes here and there. But like, what's you know, a poor man's theoretic? Like that doesn't frighten me as far as like the workload goes. So Josh Jacobs, I'd like to see him get more targets. But at the same time, he's gotten enough, and the rushing work he gets is enough that uh, rest of the season, I'll take him. And in Dynasty, I will also take him. Yeah, it's opportunity. That's the key. I agree with everything you said. Jacobs, I was not high on. I didn't see it, but he's he's done well. The The offensive line has performed very well in Oakland there. So if you get that opportunity, it's very, very fair. I got- and, and also, also for Jacobs, just going back one sec, that – you know, uh, this phrase that you see, you know, a lot of people in fantasy use, it's been bouncing around. I forget who really, you know, popularized it there, but it's a strong opinions weekly held, you know, that we can have an opinion of like, hey, we don't know what Jacobs is going to be before he comes in the league. You know, his college profile is lacking with his production, you know, but once he gets in here and we have this new information and we can say, okay, he's come into the league and he's actually looked really good. Then kind of throughout the priors of like, okay, we didn't know what was going on with him in college. Now we know what's going on with him as a pro. And instead of saying, well, you know, we'll wait and see. It's just been one kind of, a, you know, uh, you know, part of a season has been 10 games so far, nine games or whatever it is. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to go in there and say, okay, he's looked good. Um, you know, he was drafted in the first round, which, you know, even though I, I tend to trust the stats more than, uh, the draft stuff, you know, the, the, the draft does mean something. We've seen that it means something and that's a meaningful data point. You know, it points towards what scouts think and, you know, a lot of people crap on film study, but, you know, th- there's something to it there too where you can't just totally ignore it. So, um, I think that there's enough pauses with him and then his performance in the NFL to say, yes, even though there's a lot of uncertainty for him coming in, we have enough certainty now to say, yeah, he's probably pretty good. Let's, let's ride with that. So that's why I'm saying, as far as dynasty, you know, some people might say, wait, you know, over Melvin Gordon, over Derrick Henry, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with it. I asked this one to Adam, Adam Levitan last week because I got it on the Roto Underworld pod. Dynasty, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, take your pick. Ooh, that, that's a tough one. So close. Uh, I'm going with Dalvin just because a little more receiving work. And I think that that has a better chance of continuing. Nick Chubb, you know, Kareem Hunt was getting a bunch of targets last week. I think Dalvin Cook has, the potential just to you know keep keep getting those targets so that's where I, that's that gives them a slight edge let's do a little week 11 lightning round so i'm going to give you two players john pick the player you think will have the bigger week 11 performance assume half ppr two bounce back wide receivers dj chark going to the colts with nick Foles or Cortland sutton at minnesota so you know i'm a big dj shark guy um i love Cortland sutton too but I don't trust Brandon Allen, a quarterback there for the Broncos. So give me Shark. Don't love Foles either, but give me Shark. That is excessively reasonable. A better slothy running back, Jordan Howard at home against the Pats coming off a bye, or Carlos Hyde, I know not exciting, but volume there at the Ravens. I just hate Hyde. I hate him for <laughs> what all the running backs he's blocked in the past. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look, you can't really throw too well against New England. Jordan Howard should get plenty of work. Give me Jordan Howard. Better quarterback this week, Jameis Winston at home against the Saints or Derek Carr at home against Cincinnati. I guess my question is the defense of the Saints versus the potential positive game script for the Raiders against the Bengals. I think that uh, Winston, if you're the underdog, he's got the higher ceiling. Carr, if you're the favorite, maybe he's got the higher floor. Um, And, you know, with Carr, too, I mean, again, the positive game script there, they could get up big and just pound it with Jacobs. 
they certainly seem to like to do that. So if if the Raiders can take an early lead, Carr might just not throw it. Whereas Jameis is going to be throwing it, and he might be throwing some of those balls to the other team. But we've seen him have plenty of games where he throws a bunch of picks and still puts up good fantasy numbers. So unless you're in one of those leagues that docks you heavily for interceptions, I, I think it's Jameis for the most part. And pick a tight end, Hunter Henry in Mexico City against the Chiefs, or Mark Andrews, obviously been outstanding, but a pretty strong Houston Texans defense against tight ends. I'm going with Hunter Henry here. And I don't have a, a huge reason for that other than, like you said, Mark Andrews faces uh, Texans defense that's been pretty good against tight ends. Hunter Henry's just been getting a ton of targets. Mark Andrews has been insanely efficient with his, but uh, I'll take Henry this week. What's the best sporting event you ever attended in person? So each of the years that the New Jersey Devils won the Stanley Cup, I went to one of the games in the finals. Oh, and every one. every time I went to a game, they won the game. Oh, so I will say, Devils Stanley Cup Finals games. Um, I remember, you know, if anybody's been to the Meadowlands, they know that uh, if you park out in the boonies a little bit, there's like this walkway yes. that takes you over the highways. Yes, of to course. get from the stadium over to the parking lots. And I remember coming out of. I think it, I forget which year it was, which cup it was, coming out through there with my father and my brother, uh, walking down that walkway with a bunch of just, you know, you know, excited Devils fans just going nuts after the win. And everybody's pounding on the walls of this thing, chanting, we want the cup. We want the cup. I mean, just, just electric. Just the, the whole atmosphere is electric. And, and, you know, I love football and everything, but for my money, best sport to watch, watch live hockey. Just love hockey. That's a great call. That tunnel is just long enough to appreciate it. That's an excellent, excellent call. No one said hockey. And yes, I've seen hockey live. It's outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Thrilling in person, no doubt. Absolutely. John, this has been outstanding. So many great things you've given us here. Last question, then we'll get you out of here. Dynasty leagues. Now, so this is really a key time in dynasty leagues to take advantage of teams that are falling out of contention that maybe overvalue picks to an extent that they're willing to dump some wide receivers that are either veterans or guys that are disappointed that they want to get out from under early. So name a dynasty player that maybe this year has had their brand hurt a little bit. I'm thinking Juju, OBJ, maybe Devontae Adams to a certain extent that you feel is a top player that maybe because they've been disappointing or injury prone that you could get at a decent value and they could have a monster bounce back in 2020? I mean, the main one I'm looking at is Juju. And I mean, I, I mentioned that before that my buddy traded and he did this earlier in the season. Uh, you know, I said it ended up being a good move for him. But let's say you're a bottom team and you're holding an Aaron Jones and there's a team with Juju who, you know, is going to the playoffs but is a little thin at running back. Make that offer. Tra- trade your Aaron Jones for Juju. I-, I like Aaron Jones, but we've seen Jamal Williams get plenty of touches there too. You know, trade trade a guy like that where, yes, he's been good and productive this season. He's had some big games, but, you know, he's still also a fifth-round running back who had injuries issues last year, and, and he's not too certain. Um, I-, I try to trade for a guy like that. And if you're a contender, you know, and you have Juju, I, I hate the idea of trading him if you can get away with not trading him. And I'd want a more of a return than like an Aaron Jones type guy. But I, I ultimately think that, you know, the rest of this year is going to be tough for him. That, you know, with the things described earlier as far as uh, the toe and the coaching and the quarterback. So uh, if you got to make that move, if you got to be that guy who sells him, um, you know, I, I don't hate that either. Sometimes you got to make these moves in Dynasty where you, you, you kind of bite the bolt and say, hey, you know, get him next year. You know, get what I can this year and uh, and see what I can do. 
Folks, John Lipinski does outstanding work for Rotoviz here. His articles, his analysis. You can follow him, of course, there at FF underscore Ski Ball. Of course, look for his BetTheProp.com stuff, which is fantastic. We'll win money there. Win money, fantasy football, analyzing. Great guy. John, th- thanks so much for a few minutes. You were outstanding. Great stuff, man. So happy to have you back on the bag. Yeah, no problem, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag of Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.